0: Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today as we look at a story of youthful carelessness, drugs, violence, murder and a strange Italian love song translation. But before we begin, another huge thank you to all my wonderful supporters on Patreon, but especially this week's new members who have joined our exclusive club. That's Jackie Eames, Claire Ritchie, Clarice Milan, kira 666 Fan, Hannah Halligan, and Stephen Nigel Rothery. Thank you all so much for your support, which keeps me producing this podcast every week. Let's quickly set some context for the year in which the main event in the story occurred. Topping the UK music charts on the 2nd of November 2008 was Girls Aloud with The Promise, Keeping Pink with So What from the Top Spot. In the US, it was TI with whatever you like. And in the Australian album charts, it was ACDC topping the charts with black ice, displacing the masters of predictability, the kings of Leon, with written and played in the dark. Ah, sorry, I misread my note. The album was called Only by the Night. In the news this month, on the 4th of November, Barack Obama became the first African-American to be elected President of the United States, defeating Republican candidate John McCain. As the economic picture worsened, the Eurozone slipped into recession for the first time since its creation in 1999, along with Japan. In sport, Patrick Roy's number 33 jersey was retired by the Montreal Canadiens. And for true crime news this month, we head to India. Do you recall the terrorist attacks in Mumbai, with 10 coordinated attacks by Pakistan-based terrorists killing 164 and injuring more than 250 people. Oh, I remember watching that. Terrifying to see. On a much less serious note, Craig David released his first greatest hits album in 2008. No, he really did. We pick up today's story in Fleet, Hampshire, a leafy town of around 40,000 people, which is about 35 miles southwest of London. The golfer Justin Rose learned golf at the North Hans Golf Club in Fleet, but for me, and no doubt many of you, my knowledge of Fleet is restricted to the welcome break service station on the M3 when we're heading to the south coast. It was March 2007, just a normal day. But what happened on that spring afternoon was anything but ordinary, as it was when 18-year-old Duane Ayres crashed his blue Peugeot 206 into a tree Killing his friends Callum Forbes, 15, and John Bryant, 18. Two other teenage passengers, aged 15 and 19, were seriously injured in the collision as the wrecked car came to a halt in front of the entrance to a school in Hitches Lane, Fleet. Ayers himself was injured in the collision, suffering a punctured lung, but his injuries weren't life threatening. Police found he'd been driving at 66 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone when he lost control of the car. Eyewitnesses had reported seeing him drive in the most appallingly cavalier and downright stupid manner. He went the wrong way around roundabouts and willingly overtook on blind bends, narrowly missing oncoming traffic in the hours leading up to the fatal crash. Straight after the crash, there was that moment of silence where the world appears to stand completely still but then the horrific consequences of his actions were apparent to the first responders, followed by the terrible, heartbreaking conversations of breaking the worst possible news to loved ones. Indeed, March 2007 was anything but a normal, ordinary day. Later, when Duane Ayres faced trial in October 2007, the court was told that blood taken from Ayres by then 19 showed that as well as driving so recklessly, he'd also taken cocaine shortly before the crash. Ayers had no choice in court but to admit what he had done, and he pleaded guilty to two counts of causing death by dangerous driving, and was jailed for two and a half years. Speaking about Ayers after the trial, Sergeant Spencer Wragg said, Dwayne Ayers had a total disregard for any other road user on that day. Lots of parents had started gathering outside the school waiting to collect their children when the crash occurred and it's a miracle that no other members of the public were killed or seriously injured. His actions led to the death of two of his friends and that is something he is going to have to live with. In prison, it was believed that Duane had started to come to terms with what he had done by his actions and the pain he had caused to so many families due to his reckless behaviour. And on his release, he had vowed to make a fresh start. But he didn't get that opportunity, as in days of his release, shockingly, Duane Ayers was dead. In November 2008, the Daily Telegraph newspaper reported how Duane Ayers, then 20, was stabbed to death when a gang broke into his house in Hook, Hampshire, in the early hours of the morning. He was attacked, stabbed and left lying in a huge pool of blood before friends bundled him into a car and rushed him to Frimley Park Hospital in Surrey. But sadly, his injuries were too severe and Duane Ayres died at 3.50am. A A post-mortem examination carried out by Home Office Pathologists at the Royal Hampshire County Hospital in Winchester confirmed that he died of a single stab wound. Very quickly, Detectives arrested eight men and one woman in connection with the killing. And once his name and background was revealed, speculation grew about what had happened to Dwayne. One neighbour, who asked not to be named, said, About two weeks ago, there was another incident at the same house when the door was kicked in. It sounds as if someone was looking for Dwayne to settle a score, possibly over the deaths of the two boys. He'd only just come out of prison after serving his sentence for causing death by dangerous driving. And now this has happened. Another neighbour said that Duane was believed to have been staying at the house where he was killed, though he lived a bit further away near Fleet. I don't know whether he was staying there in the hope that no one would find him after coming out of prison, but it seems likely. I've been told that this gang just arrived in the street in the early hours of today, stormed into the house and stabbed Duane to death, he added. Another man who asked not to be named said, About two weeks ago, there was another incident when the door was kicked in. It sounds as if someone was looking for Duane to settle a score. Locals were clear on what had happened to Duane Ayres, but detectives refused to be drawn on what exactly had occurred. Detective Chief Inspector Colin Matthews, the Senior Investigating Officer, said, A number of lines of inquiry are being investigated at this stage. We will not be drawn on the specifics behind the motives of this attack, particularly as a number of people are in custody. He confirmed that of those people held, six had been arrested on suspicion of murder and three others on suspicion of aggravated burglary and they were currently being held at police stations across Hampshire. Whatever your view on the decisions he had taken during his short life, the family and friends of Duane Ayres were devastated that Dwayne looks like he'd been killed in a revenge attack and spoke of their loss of their lovely, caring son. In a statement released through police, his family said he would be missed by his partner Emily and 18-month-old son Richard. They said, Dwayne was a lovely, caring son to Vanessa and will be greatly missed by all those who knew him for what he was and will always be remembered for. He had just started to live his new life with his love Emily and their son Richard. The family, and the large extended family of relatives and friends, will miss Dwayne, and we would ask everyone to respect their privacy at this time of tragedy. A card on flowers left by his mum outside the house where he died read, Dwayne, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. You are always my sanity and strength. I love you so much always. A second card said, a light has been taken from our lives. No farewell words were spoken in our hearts. Memories of you live on. From Granny and Grandad, Auntie Helen and Dave. And the mum of one of the teenagers who died in the car crash caused by Ayers, 15-year-old Callum Forbes, also spoke of how his premature death was a tragedy. She said, I'm really saddened and shocked to hear the news about Duane. I do know that he was trying to rebuild his life and support his young family. My heart goes out to all his family and friends at this time. This was in line with her comments outside court when Ayers was sentenced back in 2007, when at the time she said, I would very much like it known that I forgive Dwayne utterly and completely and from the bottom of my heart for his actions. I hope he will be able to forgive himself in time and turn his life around. I think there's something incredibly admirable about people who are able to offer such genuine forgiveness so quickly after losing a loved one. I'm pretty sure I'd struggle to do so, wouldn't you? But whilst the tributes came in and the speculation buzzed around the neighbourhood, detectives continued to investigate. And they very quickly realised that Duane Ayres had not in fact been the innocent victim of a revenge attack as he tried to turn his life around. In fact... He had been part of a gang who had carried out a brutal, violent robbery on a house where they'd previously bought drugs. And within days of his death, Dwayne's 26-year-old cousin Lucy Ayres, 29-year-old Stuart Young and a 16-year-old boy were remanded in custody, accused of aggravated burglary at the bungalow where Dwayne had died. Detectives believe that Dwayne Ayres, along with the others, visited the house armed with a hammer to get drugs. With three other people he entered the property, in which there were six occupants, and received his fatal injuries in a fracas. Placing together the facts, they found that at 1.40am the gang were let into the house and then caused a scene of absolute mayhem during which they hit one of the householders with a sink plunger, threw glasses around, and Lucy Ayres brandished a carving knife from the kitchen. One of the terrified occupants, Luke Lang, took action to defend himself and ended up stabbing Duane Ayres, who collapsed in a pool of blood on the driveway and died shortly after. The fourth member of the burglary gang, Stuart Young, was waiting in a car nearby and drove the gang with the fatally injured Ayres to Frimley Park Hospital, where he couldn't be saved. Detectives are unclear about the motive for the attack but it may have been out of revenge for the occupants apparently grasping to the police about a previous burglary. Luke Lang and fellow householder Ben Davis were no angels and they'd been dealing in drugs. They were both charged with drugs offences following the incident and sentenced to community service orders. But although he had killed Dwayne Luke wasn't charged with any offence following Dwayne's death. In a statement, David Rennick, the senior Crown Prosecution Service prosecutor, said Luke was not charged in relation to the death because he had acted in self-defence. He said, Mr. Lang has always maintained that he acted in self-defence. If action had been taken against him, the burden would have been on the Crown to disprove this defence in court. There was insufficient evidence to do so in this case and it was therefore decided that no further action could be taken. It's always controversial, isn't it, self-defence? What do you think? Did they make the right decision? Or should he have been charged? But the other people who'd been part of Duane Eyre's gang, they certainly faced trial for their actions at Winchester Crown Court. Stephen Parrish prosecuting said, much has been said about a householder's right to defend themselves and nowhere is it brought into sharper focus than in this case. Sentencing the three defendants, Judge Andrew Barnett said the gang had behaved savagely and added Those in the house must have been truly terrified. It was quite appalling antisocial behaviour. There were undoubtedly three people who went into that house you Ayres, Hugh Hughes and Dwayne Ayres who tragically, in the course of that exercise, was injured mortally and lost his life. This is a fact which illustrates harshly, and with a force that you heirs will not forget, the danger of behaving in the way you did. He jailed Ayers and Hughes for three years to run concurrently for the offences of burglary and violent disorder, and imposed a one-year jail sentence suspended for two years on Young and 180 hours community service. For the offence of burglary. It was after this court hearing that the inquest into the death of Duane Ayres took place. At this forum, Duane's devastated mum Vanessa was given the opportunity to question other members of the gang and as she did so, she became visibly distressed as she pleaded with her niece Lucy Ayres to tell me the truth about what happened on the night that Duane was killed. Vanessa Ayres accused fellow gang member Hughes Who repeatedly said that he could not remember events of that night, of lying, and said that she blamed him for her son's death. She said, I hope it haunts you forever. Vanessa Ayres turned back to her niece and begged her to tell the truth, saying, I always loved you. And Lucy Ayres responded by saying, A part of me does blame myself, because if we hadn't taken Duane there, it wouldn't have happened. She said that she too had lost a close relative and described Dwayne Ayres as being like a brother before breaking down in tears, saying I'm sorry. At the end of the hearing, the coroner recorded a narrative verdict, he said. In the early hours of the 2nd of November 2008, Dwayne Ayres, in the company of others, burgled a house in Holtway in Hook. In the course of an altercation with one of the occupants, he sustained a stab wound to the heart. He was put in a car and driven to Frimley Park Hospital, but he died here at 3.58 hours. When you hear these narrative verdicts, it just makes it all sound so matter-of-fact, doesn't it? All the sounds, the screaming, the shouting, the panic, the terror that happened that night, and all condensed into, what, a few lines of such plain English. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Of course our real sympathies go to the families of the two young men who lost their lives in the car when Dwayne Ayres drove wildly under the influence of cocaine. They were just at the beginning of their lives and we will never know just what they could have achieved and the way they died is it's just awful, isn't it? Such a pointless, pointless waste of young lives. And what about Dwayne Ayres? Many of you will understandably struggle to have too much sympathy for him I get that. He isn't a character who invites much sympathy. No doubt he was showing off in his car when he had the fatal accident, like so many others of a similar age do when they are new to driving. I remember the first thing I did was to go out and go over 100 miles an hour on the dual carriageway. Was he unlucky that his crash involved the deaths of innocent people? And so didn't teach him the valuable lesson that a crash where nobody was hurt would have done. In a sense, was he unlucky? Or is that just nonsense and is it negated by the fact that he took cocaine and drove quite so foolishly with a car full of passengers? Whatever we feel about the car accident, his behaviour within days of leaving prison is pretty difficult to comprehend. His actions certainly aren't those of someone rehabilitated by prison and keen to turn his life around for his partner and his young child, and of course that child will never know his father. I was about to say that the householders must have been terrified when they were attacked, but then again, when they're dealing drugs and letting people into the house in the early hours of the morning, it's not easy to have much sympathy for them either, is it? And one of the men, Luke Lang, has to live with the fact that he was directly responsible for a death, even if legally it was seen as self-defence. Does he see the face of Duane Ayres in his dreams? And as soon as he wakes up in the morning, I wonder. All in all, the whole story, it's just been a tragic and senseless story that has just destroyed so many lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. To discuss the many controversial facets of this case or any other aspects of UK true crime, please head to our Facebook group where you can join almost 2,000 of us. It's fun, it's interesting, I certainly learn a lot. Please come along and say hi. To support the show and keep me producing this weekly podcast, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime where you can access 24 full-length episodes as well as other exclusive content. So in the words of the Bocelli song, it is time to say goodbye. Indulge me here, okay? But the lyrics translate into English as follows. Time to say goodbye to countries I never saw and shared with you. Now, yes, I shall experience them. I'll go with you. Go on ships across seas, which I know, no, no, don't exist anymore. It's time to say goodbye. Yep. Essentially, they're saying goodbye to countries they never saw or shared of each other. But but now they are in fact going to go to these countries. Except they're travelling there on ships which don't exist anymore. So it's time to say goodbye again. Wow. And you thought some of my stories were muddled. Confusing, huh? Well, on that bombshell, until we speak next week, it's cheerio from me. And remember, always be kind as we are all fighting our own battles daily. But most importantly, stay classy.